Hello, and welcome back to Stoic Spirituality, a podcast where I look through, analyze, and dissect various ideas, books, or thoughts that I may have had in my past few years of experience. My name is Juggin, and I'm a student of the human experience just looking to expand my mind and spread some knowledge out to the rest of the world. If you've been following my content, you know that I'm analyzing three books currently, 32 Strategies of War, Think Like a Monk, and Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. And so, last episode is on Think Like a Monk, and this episode will be back to the 33 Strategies of War. And so, if you remember from the episode from a week ago, we discussed the command and control strategy, and the issues of having a broken chain, the downstream effects, and the personal responsibility that you must take. For an in-depth description, in-depth discussion on that, feel free to check out that episode. But I'm going to continue on to the second part of this strategy of war. A positive example, a positive illustration of what happens and what you must do to maintain a positive chain of command and a positive way to control the chaos using a powerful leadership style. The example I'm going to use to illustrate this is George Marshall. So George Marshall was one of the younger join-ups or sign-ups in the U.S. Army. And during this time, which is something not quite different from the present time, there was a very politicized, individual self-interest-based, and power vacuum or power-hungry kind of arena, almost, to say, that he found himself in. And so, instead of assuming victimhood, claiming that shoes weren't in his control, and allowing himself to kind of wither or stay stagnant in the same place, he decided to win with his presence. One thing that Marshall did as he grew through the ranks was started to position people that he trusted throughout the War Department. People he trusted, as in people he knew the characteristics of and could believe in to enact a plan when given a guideline or given a task. He would cut any sort of wasted time and people with a sense of blunt ruthlessness. Seen even in the bored expression he would create in his face when reports would be too florid or speak too much. And people eventually learned to keep it succinct and to the point. Already right now, if you paid it if you were there for the last week's episode, you can see the differential in the blunt and ruthlessness that George Marshall had as opposed to the gentlemanly non-bluntness and indecisiveness that Hamilton manifested. And so, everyone, due to his reputation and his leadership style, did not have to see him personally to feel his presence. They felt that in the way he wrote reports, in the terse and succinct way he wrote reports, however, the same way in the implication of calling out a check for $3.52 to illustrate that regardless of his leadership status or style, he knew everything about the finances and everything else, and he watched it very closely. 
by subtly doing such behaviors while keeping this air of ruthlessness, bluntness, succinctness, he created a presence of command, a presence of leadership. While his methods you may consider in some contexts or cases to be not the most ethical, they were effective. And to go back to the point of setting up people in the department, he allowed himself by doing this to guide the machine, the war machine, with a very light touch. After spending time with certain candidates and kind of talking to them and giving them his way of life and ensuring that they followed through with his methods and his tactics, he worked through a series of remote controls. By hiring these deputies, by hiring these underlings who shared the vision, had the ability to think on their own, but eventually accomplish what they need to, you allow yourself to almost clone yourself into different versions as these people under you. And as a result, instead of wasting your time negotiating, wasting your time with people who do not share your same characteristics, you spread a sense of camaraderie and efficiency. And this becomes the policy. Weeding out the outliers and weeding out the complainers, all with this intent to move this machine, this chain of command, this control strategy, like a well-oiled tank. And correspondingly, with these kind of metrics, these kind of rules, these kinds of methodologies of control, these methodologies of leadership, anyone who think they can disrupt you will not be able to have people follow their lead without being bullied. Any martyrs, any dissenters, anyone who chooses to speak out against the war machine, or the command strategy, or the control leadership aspect will be immediately under the spirit of camaraderie, the self-policy, and the bullying that will be done will be quelled immediately. And so this idea of control is kind of the ultimate control. Because now more than ever, you are not really acting as if you have complete control over every single report or action. But you know the people that you put in place that can enact the overall tasks that you want to enact will be able to. They will be able to act in your steed, act with your intentions, and act like you would in their place and get the tasks you want completed. And remember... Now more than ever, when everything can be televised, telegraphed, and illustrated easily, effective leadership requires a deft and subtle sense of control. Because people grow more distrustful of authority as time goes on, and we, in our own desire for self-respect, make ourselves seem like our own authorities, and not as pushovers. And so, in order to act out this chain of command... You must know who are you are hiring below you. Allow yourself to investigate and ensure those below you are of the proper and same spirit and know your guidelines intentionally. Understand their weaknesses and adopt your style accordingly 
and then only will you be the ultimate effective leader in a chain of command. And as I mentioned in the last episode, this is applicable also to yourself in terms of forming habits, creating opportunities, and following principles so that you know when you end up in a problem, a place of issue, or a conflict that you find yourself in, you will have these rules, you will have this chain of command in your own head to push through, to act upon, and to persevere, regardless of the stakes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on a positive example of the chain of command. If you'd like to hear more content, feel free to drop me a follow at Stoic Spirituality on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, and drop me a follow on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Thank you so much for listening, and see you guys next time.